This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome everyone to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for joining us on this new episode of season three of our podcast. It is such a blessing uh, to be able to have you guys join us every Tuesday as we listen to uh, the testimony of salvation of uh, many brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, we're just so grateful for everyone who joins us every week. I hope that this can be encouraging to you. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I hope, and it is our goal that you get to know the Savior that we always talked about on this podcast, because in the end, it is focused on Him alone. Friends, if you want to stay in touch with us, if you want to be notified about any new episode that we're releasing, or you want to find out who's going to be next on the podcast, please connect with us through social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you can also subscribe to our channel on all the major podcast platform and you can find that on the show notes here there will be a link and it will take you directly to all the different links and all the different platforms where you can find us that's the easiest way so again thank you guys and as we do every tuesday we have a new guest And this guest, actually, we had her husband uh, joining us on season two. And he was one of the very first guests, I guess, of season two. He was the first one. Yeah. Thank you, Andrea. (laughs) She's keeping track of my guest here. I love that. (laughs) But yeah, so Caleb Cunningham. So he was the one who joined us on season two. And today we have his sweet wife, Haley Cunningham. Welcome, Haley. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to share your testimony on our podcast. Sure. Yeah. To the best of my nerves. Here I am. (laughs) Caleb, it's here too. So he's sitting like right over here. She's like, don't look at me. And he's like, but you invited me. (laughs) So it's going well, guys. It's it's going great. I love this. I told her, you know, you won't even see him. Like We have the lights. You're going to be looking at me. So it's okay. No, but I... I love you guys so much. It's been so sweet just getting to know you. And um, I've been able to hear both of your testimony. And I know this this will be an encouragement to everyone who listens to it. And it is our goal, you know, that if anyone who is a believer listens to it, they are encouraged. And for someone who did not know Christ, that this will be an opportunity to get to know more of our Savior. Right. Yeah. No, I'm excited to be here, nervous to be here, but I am um, just hoping that my testimony can be um, something helpful for someone else. So this yes. is for the Lord. It's not for me. So <laughs> Amen. Right? It's like, yeah, that's what that's how it goes. It, it, it's just, it always points to Christ. Because we can see when we remember where the Lord brought us out of, it's like, oh man, there is no way that I could, could have gone and like bring right. myself right out of that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank you again, uh, Haley, just for joining us. And as I normally have my guests, I like for them to share about their upbringing, their family, and just like your life growing up. What was it like? Were you raised in a believing home? And and you can just take it from there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up in the South um, in a nominally Christian home. Um, I have two siblings, both younger than me. And my childhood was pretty normal. We didn't really have many um, struggles growing up, but my we and we always attended church. So my great grandfather on my mother's side, 
he was a Methodist pastor. So that kind of guided our family's church choices as I grew up. And when we moved to Georgia, just before I started kindergarten, um, we landed at a Methodist church that we attended until I graduated high school. Um, And my family stayed there for a little bit afterwards. But um, so, yeah, so I attended this Methodist church for, goodness, I don't, can't do that math that fast, but <laughs> to be at least 13 years. Um, and if you don't know anything about a Methodist church, it's similar, at least United Methodist. I know there's other branches of Methodism, but this was a United Methodist church. And so it's got kind of ties to Catholicism in a way to where I was baptized as a baby. Once you're baptized, there's not much mention of it until you... Um, get to sixth, I believe it's sixth grade. So you're, what, 12 in sixth grade? And you go through a series of classes called confirmation. I honestly could not tell you one thing that I learned in confirmation, but essentially the purpose of it is you are confirming your baptism. And I think that kind of creates a lot of confusion in that world because that's not the proper way that things are supposed to be done biblically. So, you know, in the Bible, you see salvation, and then you see baptism as your first act of obedience, public um, profession of faith. And so, I think that kind of started just this tumble for me of lack of understanding. I mean, I went through that, and I didn't think anything of it, because everyone else did it. So, you know, every sixth grader in the church was going through that. And we went to a moderate size church, nowhere near the size of Grace, but it, it was pretty big for our area. So if you don't know anything about the South, the Bible Belt specifically, everyone and their mom goes to church at least two times a year. There's a church on every other corner. And so that kind of characterizes the South in a way that most people, virtually everyone would probably say that they're a Christian, whether mm-hmm. they truly understand what that means or if they just feel they're grandfathered into it or whatever it is. So um, that kind of characterizes the the lifestyle that we had. So I did grow up in church. I went to camps. I went to VBS. <laughs> I went to youth groups. You know, anything under the sun that my church had or a friend's church had, we were doing that. Um, and I don't think, I don't know how much truth was told. Again, I wasn't necessarily receptive. I was there because it was a social thing. I had to be there or, you know, whatever it is. And kids just want to be included. And so I think that was definitely um, a big part of it. Um, as I had a, I had a friend there or two friends, it didn't, it didn't matter, but um, people there that I could socialize with. And so, uh, but I will say a lot of the things, specifically more towards the high school age, the different groups and stuff that I went to, specifically with friends, I would say a lot of it kind of, we all congregated around the fact that they had this super fancy musical stuff, you know, (laughs) where everything is so like emotion based. I think that was another thing is you feel something and so you don't think you're doing anything wrong. And so that was a lot of high schools. My friends you know, wanted to go. So sure, I wanted to go. And then you go and then you feel good because you're singing this music about God. And that was just, you know, that was the right thing to do, right? You didn't, you didn't know any different. Your friends didn't know any different. And so that was um, what I did 
for most of my life. Just did all the things I was supposed to do. Um, and that was a big thing, really, as I was afraid to be in trouble. So, like, morally, I was there. You know, I understood from a moral aspect what I was supposed to do and not understanding, like, the sin part about it. So I, you know, did all these things. And I remember very specifically... Um, and we had at the Methodist church I was at, it was a big like high school group with, you know, all of high school ages for Sunday school. And I just remember very specifically asking the Sunday school teacher just about, cause I kept hearing people say, you know, they heard God, God was speaking to them. They knew that he wanted them to do these things. And I didn't understand because I was doing all the right things. I was checking all the right boxes but I couldn't, I couldn't hear God. Like I was expecting this verbal, like thunder from heaven in my ears. And I never had that. Even if it was a whisper, I didn't care anything. I just wanted to hear. And so I would ask all these questions and they never really knew how to answer. And rightfully, they probably just didn't know either. They just heard it their whole life too. It just, it was never the answer that I wanted. I remember specifically getting an answer that was like, you just have to sit still and be quiet and just listen. So I would sit in my room, like on my bed, and I would just be quiet and I would hear nothing. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And I was like, there has to be something. And so I kind of get this mentality like, okay, you know, whatever, we're going to pass on this, maybe tomorrow, you know? And so I just, I never got the right answer and I never got, I don't know, I never got any satisfaction from that. And so it kind of pushed me to just not care. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember they're always, I mean, in any church, they're always looking for volunteers to help with children. And so I was like, you know what, that'll be kind of my escape. You know, I won't go to Sunday school anymore. I'll just help with the little kids. So I loved to do that for a little while. Um, and I'd say once I turned 16, 17, when I could drive myself, my parents kind of let me have that freedom to bring myself to church. So I'd just get ready and then I'd meet them there. And I know a handful of times at least, probably way more than that. I don't know why I'd say a handful, but way more than that. I would just wouldn't go. I would just pretend I slept in or something along those lines. Cause I didn't, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like there was anything there for me. Mm -hmm. So why would I want to spend my time doing that? And so, yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't go. Um, I would get in trouble. (laughs) I don't, I don't know what that, that looked like at the time. Probably the next Sunday, my parents had to drive me and I wouldn't have access to my car, but, uh, yeah. So I, just that's kind of what characterized my life for most of the rest of high school. And then once I went to college and church kind of, I guess, guided my college choice. Cause I know, um, a lot of colleges, a lot of smaller division three colleges, um, where I was looking to play volleyball, they have like religious affiliations. And so a lot of them require chapel and things like that. And I did not want to go to chapel. I was like, I cannot go to some place that's going to require me to sit there and listen to some preacher. So I, re- I do. I remember that guiding my choices. And so I went with this one school and it was a beautiful school and it was also Methodist affiliated. And I think that was part of the reason I went because it offered me a scholarship because I was mm. 
technically, I guess my family was members at a Methodist church. Um, and so, yeah, so I picked this school and that was my choice. And I avoided the chapel situation, you know, great. And I kind of was starting fresh because at in high school, I had like two or three really close friends and um, they were going off to this huge university because they weren't into sports. So I, you know, narrowed my search down to just myself. And mm-hmm. so I went to this small college and I mean, I was going to make the most of it. So, I mean, once I turned 18 and I was out of my house, my parents' house, not my house, but out of <laughs> my parents' house, I kind of let everything I'd ever maybe understood about God or cared to know kind of go out the window. I made new friends and I had sports, so I was plenty busy. Um, I didn't have to make excuses to not go to church because they were all built in. You know, I had practice every day. We'd be gone to this, that, and the other place to play in games and tournaments. So it was, you know, out of sight, out of mind, didn't matter. And then my whole college career, sometimes I feel like I describe it as you see those movies, like frat parties and things like that. Like that would probably characterize my college years. Mm. I mean, just drenched in sin is pretty much just, I mean, that was it. I had, you know, it was drunkenness and sexual immorality and all those things that you see as, I guess, quote unquote, normal in college. And that's what I was doing Mm because, you know, that's what I've seen. That's what I think is okay. Mm -hmm. And sure, I know that some of that, some of that is morally wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't ever, ever think of it as sin or Mm -hmm. as sin against a holy God. And that should, should be my number one concern but I didn't know that, and I didn't understand why that was a problem. I just understood, oh, I grew up, and I was told, you know, I shouldn't do this, but here I am. I'll just be okay tomorrow. You know, I'm still living, so it's fine. You know, we didn't understand the consequences of that, you know. And um, So you wanted to, because you also have been mentioning that you were playing volleyball. So is that something right. that you wanted to do like professionally? Is that something that you want to do as a no, career? I'd always been told I was too short um, to even be like a Division One player. So what? the position that I specifically played going into college, I mean, like the minimum height for that player is like 6'1". And I'm only like 5'10". So D3, I'm solid. But once you move on up, you not can. so much. Yeah. I'd have to literally jump like 40 inches in the air to be considered for a Division One school. So no, I never really thought beyond college for volleyball other than the fact that I wanted to coach. Because I do. I love that sport. And mm-hmm. it's so fun. But yeah, no, I never... I never thought about it beyond that. What about your parents? Because if you, if they were so into like church and everything, uh, were they teaching you at home? Like the oldest things probably that you were doing now in college, were they ever teaching you that at home? Like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this and this and, and this is why. Were they ever teaching you about from the word of God or? I can remember... My mom would lead like little devotionals sometimes at family dinners. 
Um, but when you have a kid, so many, I can't say so many, I mean, three kids, it's not that many, but uh, when you have so many kids um, and they're all involved in their own sports and mm-hmm. things like that. And then once they can drive, I mean, when do you have like a family dinner mm-hmm. anymore? When do you have time when everybody's together? So um, no, we didn't necessarily do anything beyond that. And it just wasn't, I guess it wasn't prioritized in that way. And I never sought out my parents in a way to kind of make them like a spiritual type mentor for me. I never felt like I needed to do that. And I never felt like I had to. So, Mm -hmm. um, And so in the Methodist church, they never preach or taught on about sin or about the holiness of God or, or things like that. Like what are some, like what is considered to be sin, you know, like right. do they ever. So from what I can remember, I would say most preaching was kind of reserved for story time, mm. you know, little anecdotal things here or there. Caleb and I have been to a Methodist church once or twice since we've been saved and each time as we're taking notes, you know, we're realizing we're the only people with our Bible and there's just like, I just remember one time taking notes and looking over at Caleb's notes and he's just like, no. <laughs> it's, it's like, nope. I'm pretty nope. sure that has nothing to do with that at all. Because I remember one time going home for Christmas. It was literally the passage was about Joseph and, you know, finding out that Mary was pregnant, she's a virgin. So he's like, but is she a virgin? You know, <laughs> what in the world? And I remember the message being about like being stress free for the holiday. And we're like, what? I'm sorry. I don't Where's the connection? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so no, I just, and again, I know that people can be saved out of a Methodist church. Um, I, can't take that from everyone and I again I know that there's different types of Methodism out there I don't know what they are but <laughs> I know that there are others but mm-hmm. I cannot say that I heard anything that was not mm. just here's a story and here's a couple verses that might apply you know mm-hmm. um, nothing like expository nothing that's going to take you and teach you what it means you know anybody mm-hmm. can pull a verse out of their hat and say okay, well, here's a story that might line up with that. You know, I could do that. I shouldn't. (laughs) I could do that. Yeah. And um, so I think that was um, another part of me just not knowing anything and not Mm -hmm. knowing just the weight of sin and how it's against a holy God. I can't, I I couldn't ever come up with that, you know, and I couldn't piece things together from what I heard here and what I heard there from this story to that story and, you know, come up with the gospel. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So no, I wouldn't necessarily say I heard any solid biblical teaching at that church. So then that explains why then your life will take that turn in college. So you're in college and college is just right. Free, a free life. central. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So tell me what, what's happening, what happened, you know, in college. Yeah. What are some of the things that just begin to happen in your life? Um, in college, you know, I'm just sitting there racking up my sin debt here and (laughs) I am not caring. I dated somebody for a long time in college Um, and then I get to my senior year and I've broken it off with this guy because 
I just didn't feel right about it. Mm-hmm. And I've always, again, been that person who's scared to be in trouble, scared to be confrontational. So it took a lot for me to be able to break that off. And I had previously met Caleb um, in a class, but it was like, we were both dating other people. He sat next to me like, you know, hey, what's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Nothing fancy. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my senior year, um, we end up living across the hall from each other. Separate apartments, but across the hall from each other um, at school. And just one day, I like to throw in that I had a concussion when he asked me out, just to throw him under there a little bit. But (laughs) not literally, but just right. Not literally, but But, yeah, no, I did. And so um, (laughs) I just, I just like to say that. But I did have a concussion, but I did want to say yes, so it's okay. So he asked me out, and yeah, so we went on our first date. And from then on, um, still both would probably claim to be Christians. Um, I don't know if I would have said that flat out, but I think I believed it, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine with Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And um, Caleb had a similar up, similar-ish upbringing, so it was like he would have claimed to be a believer as well. So we never had to confront that really uh, together. Um, because we were both still living in sin. After a couple months of dating, I we pretty much determined that our relationship was, you know, pretty serious, and uh, we might want to, to eventually make it to marriage. So you and Caleb then have been uh, are dating, and a couple of months in, you guys are thinking, oh, maybe we can't get married yeah. and all that. We were thinking, so. okay, this is kind of serious, and we... Had like briefly mentioned marriage, so you're like, okay, we might, you know, we might get there. We start, <laughs> I say, we kind of like playing house, you know. We were basically living together in the dorms because that's really romantic, and, <laughs> and so we <laughs> we um, just decide, okay, you know, something we want to do. We both grew up in church, you know, we like to try out a church together mm-hmm. because, you know, in the future when we have children, we want that for them as well, you know? So we're like, let's just, let's just do it. So we found this church. Good gracious. We found this church, uh, a local Baptist church to our college. So we just started going when it was convenient, you know, and we weren't members. Again, we were professing believers still, very much unsaved, living in sin, going when it's convenient. And we were like, let's, you know, take it up a notch. And we were like, let's go teach a Sunday school class. Woo. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> so we were at, where well, we weren't asked. We asked if they needed any, I guess, help. And they needed some teachers to fill in like every third Sunday or something for like a third grade Sunday school class. So we we're like, great, let's go do that. I mean, Caleb's in school to be a teacher. I'm in school to, you know, start to be a teacher. I went through a master's of teaching. And do they ask you guys uh, anything about your life? Do they? We take- literally did a background check and that was it. We were not members. We, you know, like there was no vetting. They didn't even know all. that you guys were living together without no. being married and all that. No, no, no. Mm. So I'm very sorry to all those third grade children that we were exposed to. But um, 
we, yeah, it was, it was the wildest thing, you know, that they, like, looking back on it now, yeah. that they would let us do that without any information, no membership, no, I mean, a background check. Anyone can walk off the street and pass a background check. So, I mean, that's literally what we did. So, there we are. <laughs> Super crazy. But um, I remember Caleb and I would try to spend time reading the Bible here or there. And I remember one time Caleb came like running in the room and was like, you know, I used to think I wanted to be a pastor and I think I'm getting that feeling again. And again, this is unsaved Caleb thinking, okay, I need to be a pastor. So Caleb, if you don't know him, is, you know, very extroverted, uh, super social so at this time, he's like, you know, let's do some good. And he likes to be the center of attention. Let's be the center of a church. Why not be a pastor? So totally out of pride, Caleb is like, yes, let's go do this. And I thinking in my head, like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, let's do that. You know, <laughs> whatever. That's fine with me. And obviously totally opposite of what he thinks now <laughs> for the calling of a pastor. Um, but <laughs> I... Um, yeah, so I was just like, sure, whatever. You were yeah. on board. Yeah, I was on board, wink, wink, you know. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, this will pass, you know. He's going to school to be a teacher. He's not going to just pass that up, you know. And so, yeah, I remember that really distinctly. And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, that's fine. That kind of came and went, you know. It was just like, yeah, sure. So we didn't really revisit that. We taught that Sunday school for like two Sundays, uh, never went back. I don't even think we told them we were never going to come back. We just didn't show up anymore. Wow. Really, really good. Great commitment. Right. <laughs> exactly. We got engaged after I graduated. Um, so that was October of 2014 when we got engaged. Yeah. So we had dated a full year. We got engaged. So about just, well, I guess we had already started Caleb's senior year. And I had just started a master's of teaching at this time. We're still just kind of cruising along. I now live in an apartment off campus. And Caleb is in school at this point? Yes, he's, he's in his in- senior year. So he's uh, so you're both in- grade behind me. We're oh, both in school, okay. but I'm in my master's. He's finishing his bachelor's. Okay. Yeah, so we're still living together, living in sin, in this apartment off campus. Didn't really revisit church or anything during this time. I was super busy with my master's. He was just trying to graduate. Towards the end of his final semester is kind of when teachers are just sending out all their resumes. And there were tons of school in this town where we went to college. Um, and I we loved that college town. I mean, it was small enough. It was small to me. It was big to him based on where we grew up. But um, we just both really liked it. But through a series of lies, <laughs> Caleb uh, ended up choosing a job in South Georgia, near, very near where he grew up. And I wasn't too pleased with it, but I kind of just easily forgave the lies. And I was like, sure, whatever. We will go to South Georgia. It's fine. Um, and I still was doing my master's, so I wasn't totally concerned about location at the moment. And we ended up... Um, or he ended up choosing that because he got coaching opportunities. Um, it was close to family. So I understood the appeal 
you know, post all the lies and being angry for a minute. <laughs> for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he chose this job. And I was like, sure, why not? You know, after I graduate, I'll move down there. It won't matter. He gets this job. We come to whenever semester starts for elementary school these days. But I think he moved down there in like July. Prior to that, that whole summer, I took an obscene amount of classes for my master's because we were just struggling with this distance thing between us, you know, him moving to South Georgia and me still being in this small town where I was taking my classes. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just double up on classes and I'll graduate early. Did he ask you though? Was he the one who asked you? In not so many words, but yes, it, basically he was like, you got to do this. So I was like, okay, let's do this. So Because that's important for... Right. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, so I sped it up. I took like eight classes in one summer, which is a ton of classes. If you've never taken a summer class, it's like already condensed. And then you take like eight classes all condensed at one time. It's just, it's just a lot. I sped it all up. And we come to, like, August or whatever, whenever school starts. And Caleb ends up, um, he's in third grade at this elementary school. And he, you know, is super social. So he's talking to all the fellow teachers. And one of the teachers was like, you know, you should come to my church. And he was kind of resistant um, just from the history he's had at this church. And he uh, was like, she asked again. And I think he mentions that in his uh, podcast episode. But he, uh, yeah, so he was like, sure, why not? I'll come to your church. If it makes you happy, let's go. So he goes that next Sunday, and the Lord was so kind to save him that first Sunday that he went. I mean, again, us being professing believers at this time, like we didn't fully understand what was going on. And what's funny now just seeing the Lord's provision through all this time, but literally had to have been like two days before like that Friday, Caleb had just put down money to rent a house for us for when I finished in December, I was going to move down there. We were going to live together until we got married. He had just put down this money to rent this house and then he gets saved and he's like, wait a second, I can't live with her. That's going to cause a whole bunch of temptation that I don't need. And So I can't do that. So he called me and was like, look, you can't move down here. After I just busted my tail doing all these extra classes, I thought I was going to kill him. I was like, I just killed myself doing all these classes and you're going to tell me not to move down there. I, oh, I was livid. I was like, this is not happening. This is not happening. And I forgave him again, but I... I think that was just the Lord, you know, obviously giving me above and beyond the grace that I needed. And because I still really loved him and I was devoted to him and I was like, whatever, we'll make it work. I'll just live with my family. It's fine. I'm an adult now. I don't want to move back in with my parents, but I did. And it was a sweet (laughs) time and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. So he gets saved and, you know, we changed the whole course of things basically. And... Is he sharing the gospel with you? I wouldn't say sharing. So uh, it was more like forcing, you know, like, here's my Bible. 
let me beat it into you kind of thing. But it was one of those things, you know, I claim to be a believer. So he's like, yeah. she should get this, you know? Yeah. Like, here's scripture, read it, you know, drown in it. I don't know. <laughs> and I just didn't, you know, I wasn't comprehending. I just didn't understand. I didn't understand these changes that were happening in his life. You know, he didn't want me to live with him. What is wrong with him, you know? And I just I just didn't see it. At this time, we had already started planning our wedding. You know, we picked out our bridesmaids. We picked out our groomsmen. Picked the location. We were going to have, like, a full bar. All these things. Yeah. Just crazy. We had asked... Uh, someone to officiate our wedding that had like a catholic background like what were we thinking anyways yeah so we you know had all these plans in motion yeah and then he gets saved and things are starting to change and so it's starting to get uncomfortable but i still i would drive down every weekend from where i was going to college and then once i moved in with my family you know i would drive down every weekend and that could have been anywhere from like a three-hour to five-hour drive, depending on where I was coming from. And you were going to his church when right. you were going, right? So I would so come down being... on Friday, and he was coaching football, so I'd watch the football game. And then after the football game, you know, Saturday we'd do something, go adventure somewhere, wherever you can go in a small town. <laughs> and then Sunday <laughs> cool. we would... What is it? Hunting? <laughs> yeah, hunting. <laughs> he was trying to t- teach me. Uh, yeah, like Caleb yeah, was no. trying to teach me how to say I can't say it. It's who. okay. I, got made- I said hunting, but he's like, no, 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 you got to say hunting. <laughs> it's okay. I got made fun of too. You don't put a G on anything. Uh, I still say hunting. It's okay. So, uh, yeah. So we would, you know, do whatever on Saturday. And then Sunday we'd go to church. And after church, I'd drive home. I did that for like two to three months. So Caleb got saved like August, September. We get to October and I'm, you know, still driving. And this Sunday, um, the pastor and his wife, they'd been, well, they'd been, I guess this is a totally previous to this part. He, um, Caleb had been hanging out with this family every single day, like every day. I would text him. What are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging out with the pastor and his wife and his family. What are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging out with him. Okay, just let me know when you're not with them, okay? (laughs) And I just, it was so irritating to me. I hated it. Because now Caleb was like, oh, I think I'm legitimately getting this calling to be a pastor. Uh And, you know, like from the Lord, not just out of pride. I was just like, this is becoming like way too real. Like before I thought it was kind of just going to pass. And now it's like, this is not going to pass. And I just had, I had so many expectations for what a pastor's wife should be. I was like, I, no, this is not happening. I hated that he was spending all this time with them. And yeah, so we come to this Sunday, just one Sunday in October, and he's preaching through Luke and we get to Luke 16. It's like Luke 16, 19 through 31, the rich man and Lazarus. I wanted to say the dead man and Lazarus, but <laughs> he eventually is dead. But uh, so the rich man and Lazarus. And so, you know, that whole section of Luke 16 is this, you know, rich man who has everything and Lazarus who has nothing. I mean, he's there, he's sickly, you know, dogs are licking his wounds. He has nothing. And then they both die you know, their earthly death. And Lazarus is 
in heaven. He's next to Abraham, and then you have the rich man. And he's very much not next to Abraham, and he is just (laughs) asking, you know, can you please, like, can you give me water? Can you at least go tell my family about what it is that, you know, you're experiencing? You know, basically tell my family about Christ. And, you know, he just says in this story, he's like, you know what? You know, if he didn't believe it from Moses, I think that's right. I'd, the prophets, like yeah, we have said, exactly. like the prophets. and If you didn't both, hear it from yeah. them, you know, they're not going to believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like so much sin in my heart was just like welling up. And I just remember feeling so convicted. I remember crying and thinking like, what is going on? And the whole drive, I mean, I've got a three-hour drive back, and I'm just pondering all these things that the Lord has put on my heart. And I am, like, drowning in tears because I'm like, what have I done? You know, like, what kind of consequence am I coming to? You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't know all these things were going to lead me straight into hell. And I was like devastated by that. And so I get basically home and I'm living with a, at this point, I'm about to move out to move back in with my parents. And, um, I pull over and did not want to go back to this house with this friend I was living with because I knew she wasn't a believer and she would not understand. So I pull over in this parking lot. I just, called the pastor's wife and I was just like, you know, unloading everything. And I was like, I am terrified of hell and I'm terrified of this consequence that basically God is holding over me, you know, for my sin. And I just let it all out. I was repenting left and right. And I was like, what in the world am I doing? And, you know, she prayed with me and I remember very distinctly, Romans ten nine coming to mind, and I always mess this up, but you know if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord um, and, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Mm-hmm. And that for some reason that came to mind, and I had never spent any time on scripture memory at all, so I have no idea where it came from. Obviously, the Holy Spirit just laid it on my heart. Um, I must have read it, you know, and I just remember thinking, like, that's what that means, you know? Like, I can say it all I want. I can profess to be a believer, but, you know, do I know Jesus in my heart? Like, do I understand the consequence of sin? Do I understand the sacrifice that he made for that? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, you know, laid it all out there, and I prayed with her. It was, I mean, it was pretty instant that I understood that I was saved, Um, And I remember calling Caleb, and Caleb was so excited and crying with me and was like, I've just been praying for this. And um, it was really, the Lord was really kind to save both of us in that time of engagement because Caleb knew, I mean, pretty soon after he was saved, that if I also didn't get saved, that he was going to have to break off our engagement. And Mm -hmm. I would have been even more devastated at that point. And mm-hmm. thankfully the Lord saw fit to save us both. Yeah. And 
we were able to continue our engagement. You know, again, the Lord ordains time in such a way that our engagement was right around 18 months, I think, which is kind of a long time. But again, the Lord used that time for us Mm -hmm. that we would both be saved. And in that way, we were starting marriage off on the right foot, you know, which is kind of the only way that you know, God ordained it yeah. <laughs> to be saved. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was really awesome to be able to have that. And even then, even still when I was living with my family, I would still drive down every weekend and we would go to the same church because I knew that there was a difference between the church that my parents were going to and the church that I was attending and got saved under that pastor. Yeah. And so I knew I needed that. And I needed that body of believers at the time because we didn't know what it looked like to be Christians in that way. We didn't know how to live that life because we'd been, I mean, we'd been living in sin for so long that we needed good godly examples. And so we spent a ridiculous amount of time with this pastor and his wife, you know, the ones I at one time, supremely hated because they were taking all of Caleb's time. And now I'm like, let me in, let me in. <laughs> now I want to spend time with exactly. you guys. What are you guys talking about? It's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah. So we got to spend a lot of time with them and their family. They have three kids. And just to see from kind of an outsider perspective how a family unit works under Christ, which was really super helpful because we didn't necessarily we didn't know what our future was going to look like together definitely not what it would look like with children so Mm -hmm. yeah we got there um and we just spent a lot of time with them so you know it comes to this time where we're kind of having to finalize wedding plans and you guys had completely different. Like you guys yes. had made one so, plan and now you guys are saved. Exactly. <laughs> so we go Open from bar. unsaved. <laughs> the Lord stuck his hand in and said, psych. And <laughs> now we're like, okay, our wedding might need to look a little different. So the first thing we realized was that we needed a good, solid, efficient. So we just asked our pastor. We were like, hey. Why don't you do this for us? <laughs> and you had already asked somebody else who yeah. was not an exactly pastor, right? Was yeah, no, he wasn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, eh, no. Yeah. he wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, so we were like, okay, see ya. We need this guy, and so yeah, we asked our pastor to do it. He was on board. We did our premarital counseling with him. Um, what happened to the open bar? <laughs> She's very concerned about it. No, I mean, cause I already know the story, guys, but I need you to hear it, okay? Just so I'm just asking. I already know what happened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this is like a complete different wedding, you know? Like, we had to the make a 180. You guys had to ask your pastor. You did premar- premarital and then... Open and bar plans and are changing. So, plans are changing. you know, we'd spent so much of our college years just in drunkenness, and it's very explicit in the Bible that drunkenness is a sin. Mm-hmm. And we knew if we had an open bar at this wedding, that drunkenness was going to happen, and we did not want to be the vehicle for that. 
Mm-hmm. We didn't want other people. We knew we wouldn't at that time, but we didn't expect other people to follow suit. So we knew that there would be drunk people at our wedding if we had it mm-hmm. and at least provided it. And so we knew that had to stop. And that was kind of a big deal for both sides of our family because um, I wouldn't say our families were necessarily drunks. They just drank socially. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem is finding that line. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want anybody to find it. <laughs> so we uh, were just like, okay, can't. We can't have it. And um, it was a tough pill for them to swallow, but... I was really, really grateful because, you know, my parents were just like, that's fine. You know, whatever you want. It's your wedding. We understand. Um, so super, super grateful for that. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the main thing other than the efficient that totally changed. And other than that, I mean, I think the hard part was we had already picked, you know, our bridal party, our groomsmen prior to salvation. So there was not... I mean, you're not going to just take that back from somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were still our friends, and that is great. And we were, you know, well-loved at our wedding. We felt surrounded by friends, and that's, um, you know, what we needed. Mm -hmm. But I do think that things would have changed um, if we hadn't have chosen so so soon. So, yeah, but it was, (laughs) it was a, I would say, it was a beautiful ceremony. There was downpours of rain, and we were outside. But... (laughs) What's a little water? It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, exactly what the Lord wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, but, and, yeah. And so then you guys get married, and Caleb still wants to be a pastor, right? So that's right. the only. So, how did that change for you? Oh, so if he's a pastor, I'm going to be a pastor's wife. So, how did you take it then? Uh, so, you now being saved. Right. Yeah. So, we didn't totally revisit that idea for a little bit. Um, because we really wanted to fully dive into our first year of marriage and not worry about future plans too much. So we, um, because we decided not to move in together before we got married, uh, the Lord provided uh, the opportunity for us to buy a home. Um, And thankfully, we were able to do that. We bought this home. We uh, renovated it with a lot of help from Caleb's dad. And yeah, so we got, we got this home and it was amazing. We had this first home we got to live in, we owned it and small town living, not in California, is super (laughs) affordable. So we were able to save a ton of money for what at the time we didn't know, but, um, we got probably, I mean, we were like six months into marriage and Caleb was like, you know, I really want to start thinking about seminaries. I was like, sure, why not? You know, let's look at seminaries. And there, I mean, there's like a zillion seminaries out there, but obviously we needed guidance on which were solid ones to go to um, at the time. And so we were looking, we were part of a Southern Baptist church, so we were looking at Southern Baptist seminaries. And then Caleb had started reading and listening to some of John MacArthur's things, so he ended up um, looking at TMS and the Baxter Seminary, mm-hmm. and so we kind of we looked at all of them, uh, just 
on the internet. And we really liked the idea of Southeastern, I think, is the one in North Carolina. I have some family in the Raleigh area, which is like right next door to where Southeastern is. So we were like, that's perfect. You know, we'll still be close to family. That's great. And Caleb was like, you know what? Let's still apply to TMS. You know, I probably won't get in, but let's just do it anyways. So we were like, sure. I don't even think we applied to the other ones yet. I guess I don't think we applied at all, but it wasn't in the cards yet that we were thinking about it. I think TMS was offering like a free application or something. So Caleb was like, sure, let's do it now. (laughs) I was like, whatever. And I didn't fully register what he told me. I was just trying to be the super nice wife that was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. So he applied, but we didn't, well, I didn't realize. I think he told me and I just kind of blocked it out, but he told me that it was for like the next January or something um, to start school, whatever that word mm-hmm. is. And yeah, so he started that process. We applied. Um, it didn't take that long, I don't think, to get um, the acceptance. And I remember coming home. We were both teachers. So I came home from school and it was a box just waiting for us. And I see that it's from the seminary. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I opened the box. He's not home yet. He's at baseball practice, I think. And I was like, okay, I got to open this. And so I open it and I just, I just get to like the inside box and it's super fancy and it's black and it says the master seminary on it. I was like, this is cool. (laughs) I, you know, everybody loves mail, especially things that are, you know, for free. And so (laughs) that's right. So I, Instantly, I put it in the car and I drove to Caleb's baseball practice. I was like, Caleb, you have to see this. It's so cool. And I think in the beginning, I was so much more excited than he was about maybe just the gifts, but the acceptance also. But um, again, not realizing that it was like going to be this fast that Mm -hmm. we start um, school. Yeah. So we were both excited. And then he talks to the admissions people out here and they basically were like we need to know like within two weeks if you're gonna come or not and i was like uh (laughs) i was like oh no los angeles this is not okay that that just didn't register at all right literally like the smallest town to you know the largest so it took a lot of prayer and a lot of tears and convincing but I was just like I don't know for sure I was like we have this option and right near Raleigh right near family I don't know that I can be on board with Los Angeles that's so far away it's so expensive you know what I mean in reality what is that going to look like for us you know and so I was super reluctant to go and you know, the Lord just kind of broke me down. Um, and Caleb received a phone call because he had asked for like two weeks more. Like, can we just think about it for two weeks more? Like, two weeks seemed really fast. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> and so he was like, can we just have two weeks more? And so the vice president at the time, we didn't know who it was. And he called Caleb and just left him a voicemail and basically was saying, you know, we're more concerned about you than we are about the seminary. And that just kind of helped, I guess, realign our hearts with the reason why we wanted to go to seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, that has nothing to do with the location, you know. And we knew we needed to be in a place that we were going to be trained. 
um, correctly mm-hmm. uh, for Caleb to teach and preach the word um, as it's intended to be. And so, yeah, he used that voicemail to kick us out the door, basically. Mm-hmm. So we accepted, and now we had to live with this reality that we are going to have to move. We just bought this house. Now we're going to have to sell it. Small towns, people do not just come and go willy-nilly, you know? They just <laughs> they just don't. Like, houses just don't sell that easily. And there was this house down the street, literally two houses down, that had been on sale for over a year. Mm. And we were like, if that house, it looks all nice, doesn't sell, what are we going to do about our house? <laughs> you know? And in small town Georgia, I mean, rent for a house that we had might have been like $500. Like, crazy town when you think about out here. And I was like, that's not going to do anything for us. So we're like, we have to sell it. So we just kind of went off word of mouth and really barely that. Like, we just had this understanding and some people knew that we were going to move. And this other teacher at our school was just like, hey, I heard you're going to sell your house can I come look at it? And we were like, sure. So she came and looked at our house. I think, I mean, it had to have been like March or something of that year. She came and looked at it. She barely walked in the door. I was like, I love it. I was like, like, you haven't even, you you didn't see anything. (laughs) Right. You saw my front doormat. Like, I don't, here you go. Being a good and right. nice and yeah, so she came in and she was like, I love it. I was like, you don't want to see the rest of it? And she, I mean, she walked around a little bit, but not enough to even like look at anything. Like she just, you know, did a quick scan. Like, okay, there's a kitchen there. There's a living room there. There's a bedroom there. You know, didn't even, you know, nothing. You know, if it was me, I'd be like looking at the floorboards. Like, <laughs> is there cracks here? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I would have been way more detail-oriented than she was. But obviously, the Lord placed her there because she hadn't left. She'd been there two minutes with her mom, and she was like, how much do you want? And I was like, Caleb and I had just barely talked about it, barely. And we were like, I don't know. What about, like, you know, this much? And she was like, oh, yeah, that's in my budget. (laughs) Oh, wow. And Caleb, I was just like, and it was just me. Caleb, I don't think Caleb was there. And I was like, oh, you were? Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I was, I was like, Caleb's there. Okay. I was like, I looked at him and I was like, what? I was like, did that just happen? Did we just sell our house like right now? <laughs> she didn't even look at it. And it was so cool. But like the Lord just provided that we needed to sell our house. We sold it, not even putting it on the market. And we were like, okay, let's sell our house. So we started that process. Um, we ended up having to live with some members of our church at the time for a few months till we came out here um, because she wanted to. She, we were all teachers, so she wanted to move in before um, the school the school started, oh, yeah. Yeah. which made so much sense to us. We needed to downsize anyways because we're about to move out here. Yeah, um, and just the way that the Lord provided just to see his provision and everything just up to this point was really, really cool. And then because we were moving so far, you know, we're moving from here to there. We had this dog, loved her. Her name was Lady. She was awesome. She's a bloodhound. 
and just think Beverly Hillbillies as we're trying to come out here. But we, <laughs> we, I wanted to take her so badly because I was like, if we're going to have to leave all our family, I want the comfort of our dog with us. And so the Lord, again, was kind enough to provide a place for us to live and bring our dog. So we did it. Um, and we made it out to California in October of 2017. So we made it through our first year of marriage. It was a whirlwind. Um, and then, you know, the Lord brought us to TMS and it was wild. We got out here, we moved into a home with some, uh, another couple who owned the home. She, she, both of them, they, um, owned the home and the husband was also in seminary at the time. Um, and another couple people, um, and we just all lived in this house, which was a very sanctifying time for us because as people who went from owning our own home to sharing it with four other people, it's Mm. a different experience, but we were really grateful because of that time. Um, and the Lord provided it. I wanted to take the dog and the Lord said, sure. So (laughs) we brought her with us and... Almost immediately after getting out here. We moved out here early, so he didn't start till January. We got here in October. Um, we moved out here because we wanted to get plugged in. We didn't want to have to do everything at one time. We didn't want to have to you know, get plugged into the church and have to worry about him starting classes and all these things. So we came out here. We started membership pretty much immediately. We found a fellowship group. And we were like, let's just dive in. So we did. Mm -hmm. And almost immediately we ended up pregnant. Um, Seminary blessing before we even started seminary. So I think it's kind of funny because I think back now, some of our closest friends that we've made out here, I feel like they were kind of the reason we were like, maybe we should have a family now, you know, because they had four girls and we were like, you know, we could have kids. (laughs) They're doing it, you know, so we're like, let's, let's go for it. And so uh, the Lord provided in his own timing. Yeah, we got pregnant and we got plugged in and Caleb went through his first semester. And we had Addison in July um, that next year. 2018? 2018. Wow. Yeah. And such is the start of many, many trials. <laughs> mm. And at this point, wait, where you guys were going to foundation, right? Because I think I met you guys we there. We had not quite started foundation yet yeah so we were we started in mainstream the fellowship group um and loved it got plugged in in a bible study and everything as we towards the end of the pregnancy um we were asked to join crossroads so we could help lead um Mm -hmm. and uh serve in crossroads and so we were like, sure, why not? So we joined Crossroads, and we did not start in foundation for a while. Um, so we actually we moved two weeks before Addison was born, just another way that the Lord provided. Um, he provided a apartment um, from a Grace Church member like four miles from the hospital where we would spend endless days and nights. Um, it was just perfect placement and um yeah so we had addison and probably four months later is about when we started Mm -hmm. uh foundation might have been more i'm pretty sure that's accurate and i know that caleb uh, share a little bit about what happened as it would do you mind just kind of like sharing a little bit about 
what happens with her with Addison, what is the sure. you know, what are some of the health issues that she's going through and why is why is this happening? Like right. why does it happen? <laughs> the health issues. Where does it come right. from? Yeah. So um when you're pregnant you do uh prenatal testing, which is just normal. Um mm-hmm. they test your blood and check out for certain things. So it turned out that I was a carrier for something called cystic fibrosis, which is actually super common. A lot of people are carriers for cystic fibrosis. Um, And it turns out that if you test positive for being a carrier, then they also want to test your husband. So that way you kind of know your chances of that coming to fruition, I guess. And Mm so they tested Caleb and we knew that his sister had, she had a baby a couple weeks before I did. So we already knew that she tested positive. So we knew there was a really high chance that Caleb could also test positive as a carrier. And it never really dawned on us. I don't think we fully understood what the geneticist told us as she's trying to explain what that could mean if Caleb tested positive as a carrier. So we didn't worry about it, Mm -hmm. um, which I was grateful because in that time of not understanding, I was able to just appreciate being pregnant and enjoy it. Once Caleb tested as a carrier as well, we had a much longer conversation with the geneticist on the phone. And so basically what that means is any time two carriers have children, there is a one in four chance that they will have an active case of cystic fibrosis. So, Do you mind just saying a little bit about what sure. that is? like? How does that affect? So cystic fibrosis is, um, I think it's characterized as a lung disability for the most part. It's a genetic Mm -hmm. disorder that heavily manifests in the lungs, um, but it definitely affects many, many other organs um, and systems. And for the most part, it gets worse over time. Um, There's no cure for it. There is what they deem a miracle drug that's just come available for kids ages six and up, which is amazing. Um, and we're super excited about that, but, um, it is no matter what, it's going to get worse for our girls. There's not, um, necessarily upside to it in that sense, in a health sense. Um, but yeah, so it affects their lungs. Basically they just fill up with their own mucus and it's hard Mm -hmm. to get rid of it. And it just kind of decreases their lung function. Again, it manifests in other places as well. So with our girls, it manifests in the digestive system, specifically intestines at the moment. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about what CF is. And they have to be, your girls, they're taking medications like every day. How many pills do they? Uh, It's an obscene amount. Uh, They take... (laughs) I think it's somewhere around like 900 or so pills combined a month or maybe per person. So it's 1,400 pills a month per child or altogether. Either way, it's a lot. And they also, um, the medicine that they they use like a... They use a nebulizer Mm -hmm. to have, so they have inhaled medication as well. Um, It all kind of progresses as they get older or lung function worsens. Um, things change. So right now we're still kind of in the younger ages where it's not, the lung part is not as affected. So we're super grateful 
to be in those stages. But yeah, they take their pills before they eat, which helps them digest food. And they take the inhaled medication to um, help them breathe, essentially. And then we do something called CPT, which is chest percussion therapy. And basically, you're kind of knocking all of the mucus loops in their lungs. Addison is now old enough that she uses something called the vest, which helps shake it for her, or I guess mm. for me. It saves my arm strength, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about what they go through daily. But um, Addison was only, again, we knew the chances, but there's not any way to know if they have it before they're born, unless you want to go through the amniocentesis test. And there's a small chance for miscarriage if you go through that test. And we, I mean, it wasn't going to change anything for us Mm -hmm. if they had it. So we didn't want to, we didn't want to risk that. So we were like, we'll just find out after she's born. And usually they determine that with a heel prick test after they're born. And that helps, um, that just it takes like two weeks. It's like a blood test, genetic test that kind of just figures it out for you. I don't know how yeah. all that stuff works, but yeah. So we were like, we'll just wait till two weeks after she's born to find out, not realizing that we were going to know much sooner than that. The issue we had with Addison, she was born, she was beautiful, she looked healthy, she was eating great, but she was not passing anything. Nothing would go through her system. It was just stopping in her intestines. Um, And I won't give you all the gory details, but we got to take her home, which is super rare. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to take home your brand new baby unless they have passed something. And it just happened that a nurse recorded something incorrectly and we took her home. And we got to have her home for, I think, two days. She was born on a Tuesday. The next day, um, she had her first, like, baby appointment. We didn't leave the hospital until Thursday. And then Friday, she had her first baby checkup. And the doctor was just like, oh, if she hasn't passed anything, you know, she's probably just... It's just because it's breast milk. I don't even know the science behind that. But basically, you know, things can move slower, I guess. So we're like, sure, why not? And I was doing all the Googling, you know. I was just like, whatever, you know. Google says it's fine. Some kids don't pass anything for like two weeks. We're great. And that just wasn't the case. Um, So we went home again from the doctor's visit, and she wasn't really worried about it. The doctor wasn't, and uh, we hang out on Saturday, and that Sunday comes. And it's it's just not sitting well with us. And I think Caleb had gone to work, and I just called him, and I was like, something's just not right. Like we need to go back. And so he meets us there and we go to urgent care with her. And I'm so, so grateful for the doctor that was there. Um, she just had a, an interest in us and wanted to help. I mean, I just had a baby, so I'm all hyped up on these emotions and I am just overwhelmed. And she was like, you know, you need to go get a x-ray of her abdomen so we're like sure why not let's do that so we go get an x-ray we hadn't even stepped foot back in her office she came out and met us and said you have to go to the emergency room and we were like okay 
And so my parents, I believe, stayed behind to kind of get the information. My parents were there. And they kind of stayed behind to get the information from her. And Caleb and I just went straight to the ER. And thankfully, because she's a baby, they brought us right into a room. We had no idea what was going on because... I mean, basically all we were told from what the doctor could see in her x-ray was a blockage. And we didn't know what that meant. We didn't know anything, you know. And so here's my brand new baby on this adult-sized bed in the ER. And they have to, you know, poke her a million times to get an IV. I mean, I don't even know how nurses do that, especially babies that are smaller than she was. But it was so hard to watch and to just be there. Um, she was admitted to the pediatric floor first, um, because she'd already been home, which is just another long process. Mm -hmm. Um, usually newborns go to the NICU, but because she'd left to the hospital, she'd been exposed to the world. She was worldly and we had to, um, start in peds first. Um, Mm -hmm. thankfully we got to go to the NICU the next day. Um, but that was also when she was going to have her first surgery. So again, I was pregnant and I have all these hormones running through me. I have no idea what's going on. I've never been a mom. I've never had a baby. And here I am with this brand new infant and like my world is turned upside down in more ways than one. And I just don't, I don't know what's going on and I'm freaking out and I have already had issues with gestational hypertension, so high blood pressure in pregnancy. And I'm dealing with that at the same time. um, And I'm supposed to be monitoring it. And as I monitor it through these days, and all of a sudden it's just going up and going up and going up. And I'm hitting like stroke levels, like blood pressure. And my doctors were like, you have to go to the ER if it reaches such and such a point. And so I had to go to the ER. While the baby is. Yeah, while I'm dealing with her and she's in the hospital. And I'm like, we can't both be in the hospital. Caleb's going to go crazy if he has to bounce room to room. Like his wife in one room is brand new baby in another. And yeah, so I'm dealing with that. And the next day, literally the next day after I went to the ER... We meet with a surgeon. He's like, she's got to go in for emergency surgery now. And the Lord gave me so much peace because I was so overwhelmed. And I knew that news like that was going to give me a stroke or a seizure or something because my blood pressure had been so high that one more thing that could have gone wrong, like I would have just been off the charts And the Lord brought my blood pressure down to normal. And I was so at peace with that decision that the surgeon made. It was like, she's just got to go into surgery. And I was so grateful for that because I felt like the Lord was, you know, I mean, obviously he was holding tight because I was (laughs) let loose. And uh, yeah, so he gave us this surgeon and the surgical team, which were amazing. Um. And they took so such good care of Addison, and they took such good care of us. And it was just amazing to see the Lord do that. Not just for me, but for Addison and for Caleb and my family, to be able to see all of that um, was pretty incredible. So the surgery was 
I don't even know what the surgery is called, but basically they had to give her an ileostomy. So when you're a baby, it's fairly simple because they're a baby and they don't control anything anyways. But yeah, so she has this new thing. You know, I'd never seen one before. I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen one in real life. And now I have to take care of it. Mm. And I don't know what that is going to look like for me. And Caleb and I are both have weak stomachs, so we don't know how we're going to handle it. But the Lord provides, the Lord provides, mm-hmm. and he gives many, many mercies that were much needed. Um, but yeah, so we were able to do that. So then Addison is born with this, and then you do have another baby, another baby girl, and she's also she also has the... Yes. So we took our chances, and we were like, you know, Addison wasn't that bad. Mm. We made it through. She had four surgeries. The Lord really held on to us and kept us strong through all of it. Um, and she, uh, we were like, let's let's have another one. Why not? And the Lord provided another. And we knew again that our chances were one in four. And so this time we had a... Um, I cannot remember the name of the type of doctor, but we had a doctor that basically monitored her intestines the whole pregnancy to make sure that we were following it to know if she was going to have the same issue that Addison had. Mm. And so he was like, you know, I think I see something, which was devastating to hear because after you go through that one time, you're just, I mean, you're kind of like, come on, Mm. like we just went through all of this and now we might have to do it again. And we just didn't, I mean, it was, it was really devastating and it was hard to think about that because we've already got one, but then the Lord reminded us, you know, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And here we are, we're about to have round two, you know, and we're thinking, okay, this is our normal. We know how to do this. So we went through it again and Caroline came June of 2020, which, if you recall, as most probably have repressed at this time, (laughs) uh, COVID. So (laughs) we had Caroline in the midst of COVID. So, and it's not like right now COVID, it's like the beginning of COVID. So nobody really knew the facts. Nobody really knew anything about it. And our girls having a lung disease we were a little bit, not necessarily fearful of it, but of what it could do for their health. And so we had to be cautious. And that meant that Caleb could not come to the hospital with me when I Mm. went to have her, which was a hard decision, but it was our wisest decision, I think, at the time, because Addison needed somebody at home that knew all of her medicine and all of her treatments and if that couldn't be me, it had to be Caleb. So mm-hmm. we opted to choose for him to stay. At the time, with COVID, you're only able to have one person come in and out, or not in and out, but to come in with you as your delivery helper. I'm not sure. Yeah, I had a, one of my good friends come and help me, which I'm very, very grateful for her. And she you know, dove in the deep end with me, you know, there's never quite an experience like giving birth with somebody. So, uh, there we are. That is, that is a true friend. Yes. 
<laughs> so she uh, was there to help me, and I was super grateful for her to be there. But um, again, she was there through some really difficult times because I was dealing with blood pressure again and this new baby that was going to have to have surgery, just like Addison. And I was not worried about the surgery because the surgeon from Addison came in before we even knew there was a problem. And he came in and just wanted to check on me because he mm-hmm. recognized my name on the postpartum list and was like, hey, I'll go check on her. So he came in there and he was like, you know what? While I'm here, we'll just go ahead and take an x-ray. Super, super kind man. And he came back less than an hour later and they were like, we need a prep to take her to the NICU. And the Lord, again, provided so much peace in that because, again, there was, despite all the outside circumstances that were going on, he provided the same surgeon and the same surgical team that we knew and we trusted. Mm-hmm. So they, they were there and they took care of her for us. And it's really difficult with both girls to have this brand new life and then you have to take and trust these doctors that you don't know to know everything about what's wrong with them. And chances are they may or may not have ever seen it before. But you have to trust their skills and trust that the Lord gave them the skills and the knowledge to do what they've been asked to do. Um, So we, you know, we lived through that again. And the Lord provided in many different ways than we expected. Um, We trusted that the surgeons knew what they were doing. We trusted the surgical team to take care of us. We trusted the NICU. But then Caroline's situation was a little different. And we didn't expect those twists and turns um, that were there. And it was, I don't want to say otherworldly, but it was was just different. And I think um, the Lord really uh, provided those trials to build our endurance, um, which I can't think of that verse off the top of my head at the moment. Um, But... It is. That's exactly what happened. Um, We were there, and he was just building our faith stronger and stronger through each and every one of those trials. And we know that that's kind of going to be the rest of forever for them. It's difficult to know that. And I think, you know, I did struggle with the understanding of their diagnosis in a way that I was just being selfish for what I wanted for their life. I have this idea, you know, of my children are going to grow up happy and healthy and get married and have children and have grandchildren and outlive me, you know, all these things that were not promised in the Bible. And I think the Lord really used all of this and still using all of this to remind me that we're here to serve the Lord and glorify him through any circumstance. It didn't matter. Like my girls can still serve the Lord with a lung condition like cystic fibrosis. You know, if they had, you know, one arm, they can still serve the Lord. You know, it's not a matter of their circumstances. And that was a big thing for me to learn. Um, Just to kind of get over myself, to get over 
all these selfish desires I had for them, it's good and great to want your children to be healthy. And I pray for a cure for CF. And I pray that their lung, you know, health is sustainable for the rest of forever. But I know that that's not a promise the Lord has made to me. And I just need to be a good steward as a mother to them with their time and teaching them about the Lord and not um, concerning myself with things that aren't eternal. Mm -hmm. This body is not eternal. This condition is not eternal. And I have to remind myself of that, of how the Lord uses us where we are and in whatever unique way he wants to use us. And we need to be open to that path that he's chosen for us. I think for all of us that, you know, we've got, we've been able to hear the, both of your testimony and being able to even learn more about what you guys have been going through with the girls. It definitely has been an encouragement. I know that Caleb, he wrote a, an article about this also for the master's seminary. Um, I think I reshare him on my Facebook page. And if anyone is interested, it was wonderful. And I think it would be so encouraging also just to hear from his side. Also, you know, how it's been for you both. But I do, I am interested to know, though, like, how has the Lord used this for the two of you, for you, for your marriage? Because he's going through seminary. He wants to be a pastor and all the things that you guys have. Like, you have life going on. Like, you know, you have life to deal with. Plus, take care of the girl. So how has the Lord used it for your marriage? So we have really had to be intentional with our time together, um, just in a way that we have to, we, first, we have to put Christ first, and then we have to put each other next. And I think just in the way that we have to go through these trials, the Lord has put a strong... Um, We've learned to be really strong in prayer during that time, during those trials that we were enduring. The Lord really helped us focus on prayer. Um, and so praying together, praying separately, praying for each other, praying for our girls. And I think that was a really big thing um, that the Lord put in front of us and also really convicting to in a way that we weren't already praying as much as we were, uh, as, as much as we should have. Um, and so that was a big thing that we've done together. Just realizing again that it's a temporal thing to have these children. You know, we're not guaranteed any amount of time. So to grow together and then to also grow as a family has been um, another way that we have to have to and have been working together, um, whether it's prayer, time together, taking time apart from our girls, going on a date, you know, which is rare. Um, mm -hmm. But we have, we just have to be intentional with that time. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things is just taking that time to separate ourselves and focus on what are each other's needs? What do we need to pray for each other? Can we read together? Can we learn together? Can we laugh together? You know, mm -hmm. anything like that. If we just want to sit down and watch a movie, you know, mm -hmm. time together is um, sweet and it's not often had once you have children. <laughs> and, you know, something uh, that I love about you and Caleb also is that 
even though that this is a trial, you know, that clearly is difficult because it affects, you know, both of you and like the time and everything. You guys are both so involved in the church. You're still serving the Lord. I mean, he is, you know, pursuing ministry. And just to see that you're both faithful to your Savior, no matter the circumstances. Again, like what you were saying, right? You don't serve the Lord because of your circumstances. You just serve him because, you know, he is your Lord and he is the one who... Um, who gives you the strength and and the the ability to be able to even serve him, right. and especially through through such difficult times like those. Mm-hmm. So I just love seeing that, and again, like that you guys are very intentional even with each other, um, that you care for them, but that also your marriage also you know because you're one flesh with each other, and right. not with the kids, right? right. <laughs> so you can't forget each other either. And I know that it can be very difficult, you know, especially when you have two kids that are. Um, going through a sickness like this and it's like in the world we see how a lot of times right. kids are always put us first you know yeah. especially from the mom side like no like my <laughs> kids like right. you know I have to protect them and everything but just to see that you guys um are not neglecting not neglecting each other and making sure that you're intentional with each other as well but yeah, yeah. I'm gonna move on to uh our signature question of the podcast I'm going to choose two today. So, okay. okay. So the first one is what are three things that brings you joy? Oh, that's so easy. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. You're the first one. I was, I was, I was sitting there. That I was time. mildly prepared. Okay. Oh, good. So I was there when I shared my, <laughs> um, my first one is definitely family. Um, and that's from the outside kind of seems cheesy. Like, of course my family brings me joy, but they do. Um, I think becoming a wife and then becoming a mother has just been a really um, unique opportunity, especially, um, and not everyone gets to mother in the way that I do. Um, I have a lot of seemingly downtime with my girls because we have to sit and do breathing treatments and sit and take medicine and all these things, um, we might have to stay inside for many days, especially in California with fires. We can't really go Mm. outside when there's lots of smoke in the air. So it's just a really sweet time to be able to spend with family. And they're so, my girls, despite their circumstances, are so joyful and happy. And they're just so fun to be around. So (laughs) they (laughs) they bring me a lot of joy. Uh, My second one is the Lord and His Sovereignty. It's really, really comforting to know that I have no control. <laughs> um, you know, I have, I, I'm given wisdom to control certain things, you know, in my family's life. But overall, I'm not in charge of, you know, the making the world go round. And I don't have to be in charge of saving my children, you know, the Lord and His sovereignty. And placing certain things here and there and providing these things and that, you know, to be able to lean on the Lord in that way because he is everything Mm -hmm. is super, super comforting. And just, again, it just makes me super joyful to know that he cares for me and he cares for my girls and he cares for my husband more than I can. And so that would be my second one. And the last one would definitely be the church. Um, The church is, it's amazing. The community of people that the Lord can bring together from all walks of life 
is incredible. And the fact that there's all these people that barely, you know, know each other, especially at Grace, being so large, it can feel so small at the same Mm -hmm. time. So close-knit, whether you're in your Bible study or whatever it is, you know, this group of believers that's all like-minded. They want to serve the Lord and they want to help serve you as the body. And um, I think that was one unique thing that Caleb and I got to experience with the girls and their trials and our trials is the body just surrounded us and they provided in more ways than we can count. Um, And they have just been incredible and not just in providing material things but prayers and just being there i can't tell you how many people came and just sat with us when a girl was in surgery Mm. and that means so much to have that especially when you know you think of your family and our families across the country so we didn't always have the comfort of that familiarity you know and so to have the church for that was really um, unique. And so that was definitely a source of joy and still is a source of joy for us. Amen. Yeah, we love the church. We, I love our church too. <laughs> so grateful for the blessing of having our church. And now lastly, why do we need Jesus Christ? Ooh, I was not prepared for that one, but here we go. It was in the question. To be easy. I mean, wow, we need Jesus for everything. I mean, he has, I mean, as believers, he saved us. He has covered our entire sin debt that we could never even think or dream or imagine of paying for ourselves. And he's offered it to us. You know, here he is and explicitly in the Bible has offered us the salvation that we don't have to work for. And in turn, we get to serve him. And I think, I mean, how can we not take that trade? You know, the Lord is here and he's living and active and he has just, man, he's just taken over, just taken over. He is our life Mm -hmm. and our livelihood. And that is you know this is this is what we're living for him to glorify him i remember just thinking um prior to um now was just thinking about how i used to put off going to church and thinking about jesus cuz i was like i can do this later you know mm-hmm. i can get married and then we can think about it later mm-hmm. but there is no later you know mm-hmm. you're not promised tomorrow and here is jesus who's offered you salvation eternal life and there's no other there's no other way to heaven there's no other way to be there to glorify him than through Jesus mm-hmm. and so i think that was just i mean i mean that's it i don't know yeah. no and he is our high priest who gets empathize with us right exactly. in our suffering and even when we're in the middle of a storm we know that we're not facing the storm alone but he is there with us and even as you guys, you know, we 
the reason why you guys have been able to stand firm and strong clearly is because of Christ, right? Right. He is our strength, and we can do all things through Him, and only through yeah. Him. Because I ain't got no strength. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, that's all. <laughs> well, thank you so much for just taking this time and sharing your testimony and even opening up even more about the girls and, and everything that you have been able to share. And I hope that... All of you guys are encouraged through Haley's testimony. And if you have been encouraged, I just invite you to share with your friends or family and that this can be also a blessing to all of them. And thank you guys again for uh, just tuning in and listening to the podcast or watching to it. And just in closing, Haley, will you mind closing us in prayer? Sure. Dear Lord, thank you so much um, just for your grace and your mercy, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Um, and share the story that you've laid out for me, Lord. I just pray that you would use this podcast, Lord, to help others see your light, Lord, your salvation that you've laid out here in the Bible, Lord, that we can physically hold in our hands. Lord, we thank you so much for offering that to us. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as believers, Lord, we thank you that you are living and active and you are working in so many people's lives, Lord, that are here to glorify you and serve you. I pray that each and every testimony that's heard here just works to grow your kingdom, Lord, and I pray that it would help other believers, other non-believers to find you, Lord, um, and come to find uh, saving knowledge of you, Lord. Thank you so much for providing this opportunity and for all the help that goes into it, Lord. It does not go unseen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.